scripture comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And we're going to read this in the ESV. Uh, There are ESV Bibles underneath you. Um, You can also obviously use your own Bible or Bible app if you have that. We'll give you a moment to look that up. Uh, It's also going to be projected behind me. It's always nice to look up the scripture on your own. Again, that's Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 5. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. And I'm going to be reading this for us, but we ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. And we're going to respond together uh, with thanks be to God at the end. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take speck to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Right. Well, friends, uh, we are continuing in the sermon series, um, Life. And uh, we have been talking about community, how we live together, because we have been talking about life, and life is good on your own, but what makes life wonderful and rich, but also very tricky, is doing it together with other people. And so as we start talking about the kind of community that God wants here at LGM, but also just, you know, wherever you go, whatever community you're going to be a part of, what God desires in that, I think there is this recognition that, you know, life together, it sounds good, right? Christian community sounds wonderful. It's such a great concept, you know? And I think about probably all the churches that ever, you know, like, like had a vision or dream for their church, and they're like, oh, this is going to be so good. Right? We're going to worship God together. We're going to love each other. We're going to support one another. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to do discipleship together. We're going to serve the community together. And they're probably so pumped. And, you know, you just wonder, what goes wrong with some of those churches that split or just call it quits? Or maybe there's somebody who leaves and they're really hurt or they're really broken. You know, I don't think anyone ever predicts that or anyone ever thinks, man, I'm probably going to burn out, or I bet this church won't exist in five years because there's going to be so much infighting, you know? And so, friends, the trick is, how do you love difficult people? Because on one level, in an ideal world, right, like, like if everyone is lovely and everyone is the kind of person who's, like, agreeable and everyone thinks like you, then there'll be no problems. But that's clearly not the case, right? We all go through our own stuff. We all go through our own journey. We all are sinners, as it says in Scripture, right? Which means that... From time to time, maybe more often than not, we miss the mark. We're not where we're supposed to be. Or to be honest, you know, for a lot of us, like, yeah, if there's like completely no stress, you know, you're in this this place where where you're just like everything is peachy and awesome in your life. But how long does that ever last? Right? So So many of us are tired and stressed and, you know, maybe you snap at someone you didn't mean to. Or 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 you're you're not as forgiving as as you wish you, you you could be. Right? And all of this stuff, it, it's, it's what makes church so difficult, 
right? It's what makes community so difficult. And we are going to talk about how we learn to love difficult people, how we learn to do community that is with imperfect people. That's the, the title of the message, right? The imperfect community. And we're going to learn how that is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea that what we base our community on is not our own perfection. We base it on Christ, amen? And that means that imperfect people are called to this. And we are still a community of Christ, even though I can tell you, I hope this isn't shocking to you, that I'm not perfect, <laughs> right? LGM, Living Grace Ministry is definitely not perfect. And some of you guys know that. You, you've already seen it. And yet we are still a community of Christ. How do we do better? How do we build on that? How do we actually become this community that um, is able to do kingdom things, even though we're definitely not perfect? And so, friends, uh, the, the message that, that yeah, that the passage we're going to go into detail with that we just read, um, it's one where I, I want to preface it with a story. And, and I, so, so, yeah, I got Michael Scott up here cringing because I, I, I want to tell you guys a joke and uh, a story. And it, it might seem a little cringy, a little dad jokey or, you know, and I've told it before. So <laughs> please bear with me. If you guys have been to LGM for years, you may have heard this before. But I think it's super applicable today. And I'm going to explain why. It's actually, I don't know, maybe because I'm a dad, it's one of my favorite jokes. I love it. But okay, so there's this church where uh, the pastor notices that there's this guy who's like, he's super involved in the church. And he like, is, is like every Sunday after church, he goes up to the pastor, you know, the sermon, he's like, pastor, that was a great sermon. Shakes his hand, and he's like, you know, praise God, that was so good. Because Cindy really needed to hear that this morning. You know, or like the next week, you'd be like, yeah, pastor, this is such a good message. Yeah, Larry has really been struggling with greed, so I'm so glad you preached that message. And every message, he seems to think it's for somebody else, right? And he's always like, oh, yeah, it's so good. You know, they needed to hear it. And so, you know, the pastor's like, oh, man, like this is kind of a problem. But, you know, I guess, you know, we all, whatever, we can be judgy, whatever. But there's this one Sunday where there's a big snowstorm. I guess church was in Michigan. I don't know. But there's a big snowstorm. No one can go to church except for the pastor because he lives right next door. And this one dude, he shows up. He's the only guy in the entire church. And so the pastor just feels inspiration from the Holy Spirit. It's just like, I was going to preach this different message, but I'm just going to preach about, like, judging other people, right? And, like, comparing other people. And so he preaches this message, and he's like, well, because it's like one person in the entire congregation. He just looks at that one dude, makes eye contact. He's like, you should not judge other people, right? You should not, you know, think that messages are for someone else. And he's like directly just pouring it on. You know, he goes on for an hour preaching the sermon to the one guy telling him, sorry, Andy, I'm like pointing at Andy. I'll point over here. No, I just, <laughs> but right? And, and he's just like, you know, don't judge people. Don't compare people, right? You have your own cross to bear. And just like, and, and then he wraps up, right? I, I guess they sing a song together. I don't know. There's no choir, right? No praise team. And then he gives the benediction. And usually he walks to the back of the church, right? And that guy always greets him and always has something to say. But this time, the guy doesn't get up right away. He just sits there. And the pastor's like, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Got him. Got him, right? He's convicted. You know, and he's sitting there. And slowly the guy gets up out of his seat, walks to the back, 
And, and he's just like, like, it just looks like he's like deep in thought or conviction. He's not even making eye contact with the pastor. He finally gets up to the pastor and he looks at him and he's like, Pastor, I know I say this every week, but seriously, that was such a good sermon. It just was all oh, so good. And I just, I was just mourning and grieving in my seat because everyone who needed to hear that message wasn't here this morning. He still didn't get it, right? He still didn't get it. I, I know, I know. That's, that's my humor. I thought it was funny. But, <laughs> but friends, the, the whole point of the message is, I mean, actually, you know, I, I've, I've told this, this joke before. And, and usually when I tell the joke, of course, the point is that you know, this guy still doesn't get it, that the message is for you, right? It's for you. It's not for someone else. And there are certain messages that I think, like I tell that joke before, because it's really, really easy to deflect. And this is one of them. I want to tell you, this is one of those messages that's really, really easy to think, I'm not talking about you, <laughs> right? And another thing, too, is that the pastor, you got to wonder, was he judging this guy for being judgy? You know, and so th- that's something that I have, have been kind of reflecting on this week, and I realize I do it, too. And so I just want to tell you, I just want to confess that we're going to talk about being judgy, right, being judgmental. And it's something that I'm definitely not completely free from. And so I want to share that with you, just knowing that we're going to go on this journey together, right? But friends, I got to tell you, so, you know, this is the famous, um, do not judge lest you be judged. Um, And, and, you know, don't just focus on that speck in your brother or sister's eye when you got a stinking log sticking out of your eye, right? In the Bible, uh, the the, the word um, sometimes gets translated as a beam, Right? Like you're building a big building, right? And you've got this wooden beam, right? Or, or like a log, you know, and it's sticking out of your eye. And you're like, yo, let me take that speck out of your eye. It's so silly, right? And, and so, friends, uh, I think we've heard this message before. Maybe some of you have. And, you know, I, I was reading a commentary on it that William Barclay wrote. And he said this thing that just really struck me. He said, there's hardly anyone who has not been guilty of some grave misjudgment, judging people when you shouldn't. There's hardly anyone who has not suffered from someone else's misjudgment. And yet, the strange fact is there, that there is hardly any commandment of Jesus which is more consistently broken and neglected. Seriously, friends, I mean, come on. What is like the one thing that most people think about Christians nowadays? how judgy they are, right? It's one of the most common things that people think about the church. It's like, man, people just think they're better than other people, right? And many of us, you know, even as we progress towards God, you know, we may be like, wow, you know, thank you, God, that that you're doing so many good things in our lives. But then you see someone else, and it's just a knee-jerk thing. You can't help but think, oh, that poor soul. (laughs) Or, dude, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get your act together? Why can't you be more passionate? Right? And this is something that we all suffer from. But friends, I I, I think that Jesus is going to say something very profound about being judgy that I think is one of the things that prevents us from really living in Christian community. So I don't want to approach this passage just as for individuals telling you, like as an individual. I mean, that's, that's a good word to say, don't be so judgy, right? But there's more to it than that. And so, friends, I I want you to bear with me, but go on this journey with me and to see why is this the heart? Why this 
more than anything else that Jesus really, really focuses on. And I want to assure you, it is, right? Because think about how Jesus treats sinful people, tax collectors who were hated at that time, prostitutes, right? People guilty of sexual sin, adulterers, right? All these people that often the church has vilified these people, even though we have the words of Jesus. But who is Jesus the harshest against? The religious leaders, the people who seem to have their act together. But he says, you are putting unnecessary burdens on your people. And so Jesus is the harshest, right? I mean, he goes after those Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you are like a dead tomb. On the outside, you're gleaming white, but on the inside, it's decaying and disgusting. You never see Jesus be that harsh with hardly anyone else, right? But for there's something about being judgmental that Jesus really focuses on. And so, yeah, let's take a look again. It says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's something really interesting in this, that Jesus is saying that when you are judging someone, it's not just existing in a vacuum but it's going to come back on you. When you judge someone else, you are also going to be judged, right? And friends, it kind of makes sense for two seconds if you think about it. It's not meant to say like, oh, that's going to be your punishment. You judge like someone else, now they're going to judge you. He's just telling you the way it is. Because friends, why are we so judgy? Why do we compare ourselves to other people so often? And Why does it come so naturally? You know why? Because you live in a judgy world, <laughs> Right? The reason why you judge other people is because you have been judged. Right? You've learned it from someone else. And you've learned it from living in this world where we're always comparing. Right? And one of the things we have been talking about from the beginning of this sermon series is where do you get your life from? Where do you get your sense of identity? And we get it from Christ alone. You do not get it from anywhere else. But that's not how the world operates. Right? The world thinks that you have to earn your credibility, right? That's why a lot of us are in school, to be honest. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but for many of us, we're like, man, I, I got to earn it. Right? I got to get those grades. I got to prove I'm good enough, right? I, I, I got to get into that good job or whatever, you know? And recently, I saw a book that was like the stupidest title I've ever seen, um, and, and I'm going to explain to you why. It's called, We Should All Be Millionaires. Okay, just think about it for two seconds. You're like, yeah, yeah, word. Let's all be millionaires, right? Wouldn't the world be better, right? Friends, what would happen if everyone was a millionaire? You know what would happen? You'd be like, dude, millionaires are poor. Because everyone's a millionaire, right? You would just be like, well, now I need to be a billionaire. If everyone was a billionaire, you know what you would say? Like, I need to be a trillionaire, right? It would never stop. The reason why, like, like seriously, if I went back in time and I showed people my house and I showed people how much money I make, they'd be like, dude, you're the richest man on earth, right? Because in comparison, I would be, right? But th- this is how we get our worth. It is through comparison. Ain't it true, right? Ain't it true that, like, seriously, there could be anything that you just see that you think is awesome. And there are so many people that, like, our sense of style and fashion and whatever, right? It's all based on comparison. You want to be unique, You ever get like really cool shoes or a really cool jacket or really cool clothes? 
And then you see a bunch of other people wearing the same clothes, <laughs> the same shoes, and suddenly it's not as cool anymore, right? We all want to stand out. And this is the reason why you are so judgy, because you want to think of yourself as a good person. And the, the fact of the matter is, is we're all sinners. So what do you got to do to make yourself feel like a good person in comparison to other people when you yourself are already a sinner? You got to look at worse sinners. That's what you do, right? If you want to feel like really muscular, stand next to someone who has less muscles than you, right? It's going to work on one level. But at the same time, friends, Jesus is telling us, yes, this is very natural, but if you are out there judging people, don't you think you also are being judged? It's the system you're a part of. Make no mistake, you're out there judging people, but they're judging you. It makes no sense for us to go around and be like, you can't judge me. How dare you? And then you go around judging people. You're creating an atmosphere, an environment of judgmentalism. And in our Christian communities, it makes no mistake, uh, no sense for me as a pastor to come up and say, don't judge people, but I judge you. Right? It doesn't work. What needs to happen is we need to get out of that system. Right? That system of judgment that most of us exist in. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Right? And he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Friends, as I've been reflecting on this message, I've heard it so many times before, and it's so funny if, on one level, right? Like, like the, the one level is that, like, like, if Jesus is telling us, like, the story, and you think of it in a very literal sense, it's just hilarious, right? That someone's like, you got a speck in your eye. Let me help you, right? And Jesus is saying a couple of things. For one, he is pointing out how ridiculous it is that you got a log sticking out of your eye. Right? But also, like seriously, I, I'm, I'm trying to show you the dimensions of the log because the problem is, is that you literally can't see anything if there's a log in your eye. I mean, that log is probably not just coming out of one eye. Right? I mean, even if it was coming out of one eye, it's blocking both eyes. You're not seeing anything. Right? So you are not seeing life clearly. You are not seeing your brother or your sister clearly. There's something that's blocking your vision. But this, I think, friends, is part of the reason why nobody really follows this verse. Hardly anyone does. You know why? Because we have a quick way of deflecting this, and we're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that's true of specs. If it's a speck, then I'll leave it alone. Not a big deal. But what if they have a log sticking out of their eye? If they have a log sticking out of their eye, what kind of friend, what kind of brother would I be to not say something, right? So for most of us, the problem is, is that we don't think it's a speck. We think it's a log. And so we think this doesn't apply to us, right? And so this, I, we have to ask the question. I think it's a very important question. What is the log that he's talking about? Why doesn't Jesus say, take the log out of your eye, and then you're going to be able to take out the log from other people's eyes? What is this log he's talking about? And I, I thought this uh, little cartoon was funny because there's one dude who's got like, like a plank, a, a wooden beam uh, sticking out of his eye, and he's, he's like, you know, 
trying to take the speck out of someone's eye, just like it says in the passage. And then there's a guy with a huge log who's even bigger. Who's like, ha ha, you just told him that he has a splinter in his eye and you have a beam in yours and his is even bigger, right? And friends, there is something that's going on that the log is obscuring your vision. And so what Jesus is saying is that you cannot see things clearly. Maybe you think it's a log and it's really a splinter. It's really a splinter. But you have no way of knowing that. But when you have that obscured vision, right, when you have this log, whatever that is, we're going to try to figure out what that is in a moment. But when you got this log in your eye, all the splinters, they look like logs, right? You remember that, that, that um, is that one story where Jesus is like trying to uh, heal the man? And, and he does it twice. And the first time he does it, it's, it's like the funniest story that he's like, yeah, yeah, I can start seeing more because the man was blind. And he's like, but everyone, they look like trees walking around. And then Jesus does it again, then he's able to see. But, you know, if your vision was still like there's something wrong with it, you know, like, like there's an obstruction there or, you know, you don't have that 20-20 vision, you know, you can kind of see, but maybe some of the things are distorted. And that's what Jesus is telling us is that our vision is distorted by this log. So I think the log can be two things. And it probably is a combination of both, right? And the most traditional explanation of what the log is, it's that it's your own sin and struggles, right? And so you got to deal with your own house, right? you got to focus on your own sin, on your own struggles before you can help someone else. It's the whole, like, uh, in the plane, the, the vest that, that goes down, right? Like in the safety things, what do they tell you? What do they always tell you? Uh, uh, about the, the, the safety vest. They're like, always make sure your safety vest is inflated first before you assist someone else, right? And they say this for parents because the parents' instinct. I got to tell you, man, if something happens with my kids and that happens, like, I'm going to help my kid first. I'm like, I'm like, I don't care what you said, flight attendant. I'm going to help my kid first. But the reason why is because if you don't help yourself first, then you both die. Right? Like if you pass out, if you're not getting air and oxygen, then you can't help the other person. And so the principle is you have to help yourself first, or you have to be the one to, to be healed before you can help someone out. Right? And so there is this principle that we need to figure out how to have our own stuff healed. Right? And, and, and by the way, it's the only person that you really are truly responsible for. It's the only person that you truly have access to, that you can truly change, is yourself, not other people, right? And, and we know that on some level. So this is the way we normally talk about the log. Not bad. I think it's true. But I think the log is actually partially something else, too. Because, right, he doesn't, it, 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 it's a log, and the other person's is a speck. It's something else, right? You know, so the thing that is so big, friends, I, I just think in terms of emphasis, what did we already say? What is Jesus most focused on when he's talking to religious leaders, when he's talking to the masses, the people? Who is he most critical of? What seems to be the biggest deal? I think it's the judgmentalism itself. I think that is the log. That is the thing that Jesus wants to get rid of. And the reason why is because it is what is destroying our, our, uh, our communities, right? Because, I mean, if you just think of it on one level, 
if, if you got a giant log sticking out of your, your eye, you are not going to be in any position to help anyone else. And that's usually what happens, is that, you know, I mean, just, just think about it. Like, like you're probably going to be, like, poking that dude in the eye, right? You're, like, I don't know, man. Have you ever tried to, like, okay, I hope the answer to this is no, but have you ever tried to take out someone's contact lens with your eyes closed? Can you imagine how that would go, right? How many scratches you would have, your cornea, your poor corneas, right? And I'm just saying, right, a contact lens is a lot bigger than a speck. So just imagine, without being able to see, that you're trying to take out the smallest tiny speck from someone's eye. It doesn't work. Our judgmentalism prevents us from seeing life as it really is. And friends, I believe that if you deal with your own log, then other people's sins and mistakes will start looking like specks. What do I mean by that? So, friends, one of the things that um, I think a lot of people, they hear messages like this, and this message is very popular on one level, especially about other people's judgmentalism. And I think there are many people that they, they th- there's like, you know, different kinds of churches, right? Some churches, maybe they're a little harsher. Maybe they're a little bit more about rebuking people and getting in people's face. I got to tell you, LGM is not one of those churches. We are a church, it's in our stinking name, right? Living Grace Ministry. Our ministry was founded on showing people grace. Second, third, fourth, fifth chances, I remember one of the very early years that I was at LGM, there was this youth group kid, because we had lots of youth group kids back in the day. There, there weren't a lot of college students. And there's this youth group kid who was supposed to help lead praise that morning, completely overslept. And he comes after the service. We're like eating donuts. And he comes in, and he's like hanging his head. He's like, Pastor Steve, I'm so sorry I overslept. Right? And I don't know how he was treated by other church leaders, but he just was like in his body and in just like his demeanor. He was expecting me to blast him and be like, yeah, what's wrong with you, lazy? Like, we were waiting for you, and how dare you? And just I was like, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I've overslept for church before, too. Like, yeah, are you okay? Like, you feeling okay? You know, you sick or anything? He's like, no, no, I just overslept. I'm like, hey, man, you know, just, you know, come next time. (laughs) Don't let this stop you from coming next time. We'd love to see you next time. And he kept coming, you know? And this has always been our way of doing things in this church, you know? But at the same time, there's a question that you may have, right? Well, Pastor Steve, is that it? Is that all you're supposed to do is just, we go to church and don't judge me, no one judge. And that is clearly not the case. Right before this passage, right, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. I mean, this entire sermon, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about the kingdom of God. But two verses before this, he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto you. We don't come to a church like this so that we can just do whatever we want. Sometimes that's the way it feels like, you know? That it's like, yeah, license to party. You know, I can do whatever I want. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, this is just my confession, that in the early days of LGM, um, 
that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that people used to say something like this. And, and I hope this, I mean, I, I mean this with love in my heart. We are not a perfect church. Um, but people used to say, like, if you want God, go to Harvest. If you want a party, go to LGM. <laughs> they used to say that in the early days. I was so aghast by that. But I'm like, well, you know, the party people do need God, you know. <laughs> I, I do hope that they come, you know. And, and friends, I, I, I want to say that because there, there is a sense in which we misunderstand this as license. We misunderstand passages like this as just saying, no one judge anyone. You get to do whatever you want. You get to sin as much as you want. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus wants you to be healed, right? Jesus wants you to be in close relationship with him. And, and you know, just to kind of illustrate that point, um, I just want to talk about a very famous story that probably you guys, a lot of you guys know. Um, it comes from uh, the Gospel of John, and it's this woman who was caught in adultery. And, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it, but you guys can read the story uh, on your own. But the teachers of the law, catch this woman in adultery to trap Jesus because they knew Jesus was this gracious dude. They knew Jesus was all about forgiveness and they knew that and so they were like, are you soft on sin, Jesus? I get accused of that a lot, <laughs> right? Are you soft on sin? And, and, and so they, they get this woman caught red-handed, like, like literally we caught her in the bed, right? I mean, it's just, just clear as day. The law, Jesus says that we have to stone a woman like this. And my first question whenever I read this passage is, where's the man? Where's the man? Why only the woman? Why do they only care about the woman being caught in adultery? It takes two, right? I've learned that from biology class, right? There's a guy, but he's nowhere to be seen. And this is such a picture of judgment, isn't it? Our judgmentalism is always selective. We always single people out. And so Jesus does this, this extraordinary thing. They're shouting at Jesus, like, come on, Jesus, you, you're going to be t- you know, tough on sin the way Moses was? You're going to take this seriously? And so as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. He's just like drawing on the ground, writing on the ground, I've heard lots and lots of uh, uh, things about what, what Jesus was writing, but it's just so cool. It's just so chill. He's like, hey, if you're without sin, go ahead, throw the stone in, just do-do-do-do-do, you know? And one by one, starting with the oldest, because let's be honest, older people have sinned more than younger people. I know it doesn't seem like that. I've sinned more than all of you guys because I'm just older, right? <laughs> I've lived more life. I had more opportunities to sin. And so the older people, they're like, well, I guess I'm out because <laughs> I've sinned. And they drop their rock and they walk away. And slowly, one by one, each and every person is like, yeah, I got sin too. Maybe the dude who committed adultery with her was in the crowd. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> not me either. And friends, look at what Jesus says at the end. He stands up, right? He's like, man, I don't have time for this nonsense. He's just writing on the ground. But he stands up, and he looks at the woman and says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, 
sin no more. What is Jesus doing here? Is he giving this woman a license to sin? Is he soft on sin? Absolutely not, right? He literally tells her, go and leave your life of sin. That's one translation for it. Don't sin anymore. It's not good for you. You don't want to get hauled back into the square again, right? It's not good for you. And friends, this is the thing. Why is one a log and one a speck? You know why? Because in some ways, it is more difficult. It is more disturbing to deal with your own stuff than other people. Your own judgmentalism is so much harder to catch than these other things that we have been taught as a society to look out for other people. We're always sizing up and judging other people. And so the moment you see someone that you think is ugly or not worthy or is, is like they, they're doing something disgusting you don't like, you don't even need to think about it. It takes no effort. It takes no holiness to just be like, ew, right? I don't like you. Oh, oh you're, you think you're better than me, right? It's so easy. You know what's hard is like, man, my own soul and heart is so ugly that I look at the beautiful children of God who are sinners like me, and I look at them as ugly, and I think I'm better than them, and I think that I have anything to teach them when I'm sitting here with a freaking log sticking out of my head, I, right? Because there's no love there. It's not done out of love. Do you think that th- these Pharisees, these, these religious leaders, dragged this woman out to love her with stones? <laughs> it's not love, right? It's not love. Do you think they're doing this? I mean, like, I don't know, really, personally, but Jesus is the Son of God, and it doesn't seem like they're doing it because they love God either. That's the other excuse we use. We're like, yeah, yeah, Pastor Steve, it says love God and love your neighbor, but love God comes first, so I'm going to love God by hating sin. And we make that an excuse, right? But if we're being really honest, are we doing that because we really love God or because it just kind of feels good to judge people? Hmm. Oh, man, I know that's hard. It's hard to face, right? And that's why it's a log. And friends, your own stuff too, right? Like, there's a lot of people that, that in this country, like, like, the way that you distract people who have like already messed up lives, like if you're the government, right? If you're the government and you've got a messed up life and you're like, yeah, government, fix my life. And they're like, oh, well, we don't know how to do that. But Mexicans, Mexicans are invading. Like, look at them. They're taking your jobs. It's very easy to just point the finger at someone else, right? And then all of a sudden, you're thinking about them and you're not thinking about yourself, right? In the same token, when we come to church and we look at other people and we're like, yeah, okay, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, but at least I'm not fill in the blank. Whatever is your sin of choice, whatever sin that you're not doing, right? I mean, seriously, think about the church. Think about the evangelical church, what we are so focused on, right? That straight heterosexual people are so focused on homosexuality because they're not homosexual. Oh, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to hear, friends. But you know what you don't hear a lot of evangelical churches talk about? You don't hear them talk about greed. Jesus talked about money a lot. If you love God and you love money, you can't love both. You're going to serve one and not serve the other. 
Jesus is saying, look at your own log. Right? Stop pointing to other people and looking at their sins. We will never be the community of Christ if that's the case. Because you know what happens when you start looking at your own stuff? It's something that I have done very publicly from the time that I was a youth pastor because God exposed it in me. I've shared this with you guys. I had a drinking problem when I was a youth pastor in seminary. And I felt convicted by God that I was supposed to share this with a youth group. They're like 11-year-olds. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how I didn't get fired, but <laughs> I was just very honest with them every step of the way. And the funny thing is when I started doing that, other people started opening up to me because they knew, they're like, well, Pastor Steve's not going to think he's better than me because he just shared all of his dirty laundry with us, you know? And friends, I got to tell you, when I look at my own brokenness and my own sin and my own dirty heart, I am in no position to judge anyone else. And you know what ends up happening? Is that when I look at other people, I feel compassion for them, right? It's not like, oh, what's wrong with you? Stop, stop it. How dare you bring that into our church? It's not that, but it's like, dude, I know what it's like to be broken too, right? We're not just coming here just so we're like, oh yeah, everyone just don't look at my sin. We want God to completely remove our sin so we can truly, with compassion and with love, help other people, right? I, I, I get this reputation sometimes because, you know, I, I, I get really frustrated when so many people, like, like just the, the two, I, I'm just going to be really frank with you guys because a lot of you guys are college students. The two, like, super sins in the college community, it's, it's premarital sex and drinking, Right? Got another? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe marijuana's getting up there now. <laughs> I don't know. But, but these are the two kind of super sins that we focus on. And I, 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 I want you guys to hear me because I think sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, Pastor Steve said it's not a big deal. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's not a bigger deal than the other sins. Right? It's still a sin. I'm telling you, I had a drinking problem. It's not good. Right? I'm not recommending it for anyone. Right? But I'm telling you, friends, in premarital sex, I mean, that's a whole other message, but there will be brokenness in your life. Make no mistake, right? I mean, I know so many people. I have suffered from my own scars from those sorts of sins, you know? And so if you face that, if you face and you, bring, and, and you let God shine the light on your heart, and friends, you got to wade through some muck, but Jesus will bring you out of the muck. I, I promise you. I promise you he will but you have to let it be exposed to the light. And friends, as we do that, for me, it doesn't make me judgier of other people. It makes me more compassionate, right? And that's why. I'm like, yeah, you know, you went to Necto last night, you got drunk out of your mind, or you've been messing around and doing stuff with, with, with somebody that, that probably is not biblical and is not, you know, like, like, like Christian or whatever. You know, like, friends, it doesn't mean you can't come to church. It doesn't mean God stopped loving you. Look at what he does with the woman. He's like, I'm not condemning you. I'm not throwing any rocks here. But I do want you to go and sin no more. I do want you to learn holiness, right? And I do genuinely want you to work on what is your log? What is your log? Not their log, your log. And as we do that, friends, and if someone shares with you, I mean, this is my hope, 
that in your small groups or in your relationships at church, that somebody feels comfortable enough with you, not just because they're like, yeah, they're not going to judge me at all, and they're going to just let me do whatever, not like that, but they're going to be like, dude, I know that person loves God, but they're not a perfect person. And, and, and they have their own struggles, and they're really, really dealing with it. And they're going to know that if they share with you, that you're not going to judge them. You're not going to treat them any different. But you will love them. Is there a time and place for you to rebuke somebody, for you to be like, hey, I really don't think that's good for you? There absolutely can be a time for that. But it's only when you love that person. Only, only, only. It's only when you have started to deal with your own stuff first, right? And that's the kind of church I want to be. Not a church where it's just anything goes, right? But a church where we really all are pursuing holiness in God, and then we can love people with the same kind of compassion and grace that Jesus showed us. I just want to end with this last um, quote here, <laughs> right? This is Bob Goff. I love this. Love difficult people. You're one of them, right? And that's, that's the whole thing, right? You realize that I have no thrones to stow. Th- thrones to stow? Stones to throw. My brain did a whoopsie, and I have no stones to throw because I'm the woman, right? I'm the woman. Every single guy who dropped that stone, I'm the woman. We're the same. We're sinners. How dare I condemn her, right? And so we have to learn to love one another. Um, can I just ask the praise team to come up? I, I just want to give us a moment to, if you guys want to close your eyes, you want to pray, or, you know, maybe some of the things I'm saying, you guys are like, Pastor Steve, that would be nice if we could do it, you know, but I want to dream a little, right? This is the kind of community I want to be, a place where somebody comes in off the street and they're bleeding from life. They're beaten up, and maybe they've made some wrong choices, right? Maybe, yeah, they have done some things that we would consider sin. But there's other people in this community who, by the grace of God, have been getting healed, right? They've dealt with their own stuff. And when those people come in, they can find compassion. They can find people who would genuinely pray for them. That, that we can be the kind of community that can extend the love that Jesus shared for this woman and for these crowds who had just been so burdened with, with the expectations. You, you, you can start playing that music. Um, it's so burdened with the expectations of religious leaders and their time. And the words of Jesus probably were a, fresh, a, breath, a breath of fresh air. And maybe for you too, you know, you felt like you had to hide something. Maybe there's some of you, you hear this message and there's some of us, man, yeah, we we really got to deal with that log, that judgmentalism. And maybe some of us, we're the one who who feels judged. And, and, And for all of us, friends, to know Jesus knows you. He's the only one who had the right to judge that woman. He showed compassion and he showed grace and he's showing that to you right now. Precious God, I, I, I am so drawn to you, God, when I see your compassion and love and grace. But God, I admit 
God, that's so hard for me to face the ugliness in my soul and heart and my own sin. Precious God, I, I pray, Lord, that you will bring healing by your Holy Spirit and we can be a people of healing. That we can be the kind of community that, that models this grace, that shows this grace, that lives in this grace, bathes in this grace, God. And it's so evident to every single person who comes and, and, and in any proximity to this community that they can experience the grace of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.